you were not enthusiastic about the way you read Stephanie's words. Oh, I thought I was very enthusiastic. By no. the way, I hope Matt keeps all of this in. No, he won't. Hello, and welcome back to another wonderful, exciting, and invigorating episode of Maine Education Matters, your number one source for information and mediocre analysis of education legislation policy in Maine. We are here providing updates on legislation that'll impact school districts, allowing educators, leaders, students, and families to have a more informed and empowered voice. We listen so you don't have to. My name is Matt. And my name is Julie. So let's get into what happened on March the 8th. There were four bills that happened on that day, starting off with LD270, an act to amend the regional adjustment index to ensure school districts do not receive less than state average for teacher salaries, presented by Representative Stewart out of a rustic. Yes, and this tries to even the playing field that if the state is going to require first year teachers to make the same all over the state, can there be adjustments to the funding formula um, so that some districts are not set at a disadvantage because of that? Right. So there was there are only five pieces of testimony and I have to say the testimony in my view was mixed. Like there was definitely some views like about like, we kind of like the idea of this, but we're not sure about the how. And there's some, there's a lot of stuff to consider with doing this. Right, I would say what educators should know about the conversation is that the funding formula and correct me if I'm wrong, Maybe the funding formula has been updated, but the um, the percentages for each community have not been updated since 2004, 2005. Mm. Did you catch that? There was yes. a lot of conversation about how this is so outdated and it really would behoove of us to take a better look. Right. And my hero of the testimonial crew was MEA's John Kaczynski. Why is John that? he offered some solutions and he answered some tough questions from the committee, but I really appreciated his ideas about instituting a cap, a bottom cap that, um, you know, Portland and Scarborough are at 1.08. Right. And um, I think Machias is at 0.8 and Presque Isle at 0.9. So, if they look to the future, there's nothing that can be done now because budget season is all in process, but if they look to the future to make positive changes that wouldn't impact negatively on districts that benefit, he's saying we would be, it would, it would be a better situation than it is now. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I find the most fascinating about this bill and I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen to it when it comes to work session time. But of the five public test testimony, MPA, Maine School Management, and the MEA, all three of them were neither for nor against. Right. That's a pretty rare thing to see. 
So that tells me that this bill, this kind of idea, there, there's like, there's good here. There's really great ideas or something need to be worked out, but it's highly complex and detailed. And whether or not the Ed Committee is going to have the um, wherewithal, the stomach, the ability, the strength, the whatever it is to push through all that, I honestly don't know. Right. Well, those Ed orgs represent the entire state, right? So they represent those cities and towns that benefit and those little towns and communities that are at a detriment. So um, for them to be neither for nor against such a complex issue, I think really speaks to just how vastly different areas of our state are. And it's, yeah. it's not easy, but I, I'd like to see that this could set some forward motion to do things more equitably. I do too. And I do, and I do think it's worth pointing out as well for, for our listeners, both in Maine and those other folks who might listen beyond, like out in Hawaii, for example. There you go again, yeah, teasing I, me I, with Hawaii. I, hey, look, we're, we're, go, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there, damn it. We're going to get there. Um, but recently, without, within the last few years, Maine was nationally recognized for having one of, if not the most equitable school funding models in the country. Now it is far from perfect, but it is far from perfect. And it's actually one of the best. So where we can say we're, we're, we're constantly striving to do better. And I think that's the right thing for us to be doing, to be more equitable, to have that in mind. It's also important for us to look back and say, well, let's look at where we really are. And we're actually doing in comparison, a really good job in terms of um, an equitable funding structure. It's not perfect. It can be better, but we're also doing really well so far. It's another example of how Maine has been leading innovation and education for many years and gets no recognition for it. Right. Not that I'm bitter. Okay. 566. What, what was that? LD 566 presented by Representative Toole of East Machias, an act to address labor market inequities in the school funding formula very similar to the previous bill. I did not take many notes on this one. And, well, there wasn't much to really say. There's only four pieces of testimony, or not including um, the one from the sponsor. Um, and once again, MEA came out and said neither for nor against. Uh, MSMA, same thing, neither for nor against. So it's that whole complicated funding structure again. So I have a feeling that these two are gonna be combined um, and there's gonna be, I don't know what's gonna happen. One of them will go through somehow, or maybe it won't. It'll just probably end up in appropriations or somewhere. I don't know where it'll end up. That's a, that's a level of detail that requires a tremendous amount of work that I'm just don't have the ability to handle. Well, saying appropriations is a perfect segue into two LD 281 because isn't that, the one where Representative Brennan proposed a $10 million, yes, a $10 million uh, ticket item. This is, this is a fascinating bill. It's a fast, LD-281, an act to address student achievement gaps presented by uh, Representative Brennan out of Portland. And for those of you keeping tra track, he so far presented nine bills in front of the Education Cultural Affairs Committee. Um, this bill, 
and the summary will say just again, adds a provision to the school funding formula to provide an additional allocation of state funding to SAUs to address student academic achievement gaps based on race and economic status, of which I think both of us would say, okay, love the idea. Requires a commissioner to specify data and metrics to calculate student academic achievement gaps, okay, to establish eligibility criteria for the adjustment and determine the adjustment amount or method for computing the amount. Okay, there's a lot of words of adjustment in there, which that needs adjustment. Uh, requires eligible SAUs to submit a plan to address academic achievement gaps. Great. And to disperse up to $10 million. So what would, what, when you read this, or when you were reading the testimony and listening to this one, what, what came across your mind as like the overall summary of this, Bill? The, what came across my mind was, it's definitely a concept we in education support, but something will suffer more if you don't do this correctly. So fortunately it's a resolve, correct? To, nope, it's, an it's an act, but it's an act to form. To add a provision to the school funding formula. Didn't, isn't this the one though that he amended it to be, oh no, the working group is the next one. I'm sorry. I thought this one was to create a working group after his conversation with the DOE to come up with, to develop a clear plan and metrics for guidance on this. So there could be an amendment. I don't know yet if there is. Uh, what's it, you know, again, they, the, the amendments in these other documents, they don't necessarily get posted. And sometimes these things get changed as they're having these discussions. I mean, um, and we're just left with the documentation that we have. And so, right. I, you know, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if this, this language gets changed, especially during the work session. Um, I honestly don't see this going anywhere. No, I, I think it was Holly Couturier from the MEA who, you know, discussed how, you know, 10 million seems like a lot, but it's potentially not enough. But as educational organizations, we look at that and say, okay, if you're going to take 10 million here, where is it coming from and what will the impact on that be? Right, and how it's going to be spread across. It was the same thing with the summer school pilot program. There was a $250,000 and great, it's a great start, but one, that's not going to go very far. And two, where's it going to go? And I think that's where another question that I saw in a lot of the testimony, only eight pieces of testimony for this that have been submitted at least online. Um, and a lot were for nor against because they like the concept, but where's this money going to come from? You know, are we adding another $10 million into the budget? How's that gonna fly over? I can't remember who said that, you know, it, it would be, it's, it's wonderful that we're having these conversations and that we're trying to provide a racial equity lens to um, what needs to be done to address the achievement gap. As I listened, I think, let me backtrack for a second. This was the bill that you probably read um, or reminded yourself of how Maine's funding formula has been a leader in the nation. But even so, we're, I, 
someone announced in this session that we're $324 million underfunded. Mm -hmm. So that must have to do with the 55% that we're supposed to be at. Um, but right. as I listened to this testimony and they were talking about how black and white reading achievement gaps are causing reason for alarm. And I think they were referencing maybe the eighth grade NAEP scores. Okay. As a curriculum director who spends a lot of time analyzing data, not so much now during the pandemic, but pre-COVID times, I would like to include gender into the conversation and have us take a close look at what the trends are showing us for um, our gender data as well. So that was a thought I had as I listened. That's a, that's a brilliant idea. Uh, you know, the more the more the more we can unpack and triangulate and find patterns, the more we better understand. And you know, I think you and I, you know, a lot of us agree that you know, education and things are our education systems need to be more personalized and needs to get down to the individual level to a lot of different things in a lot of ways. But one of the ways you do that is you can't just look at one set of data and then say, make a, a gross generalization out of that. That's the industrialized model that we've been living in for the last hundred plus years. Then that just doesn't work anymore. It's just right. not, it's, it's not as good. It's not as good anymore and we can do better. So to be able to look at gender, race, socioeconomic status, um, to be able to look at um, many different factors, GT, uh, English language, um, and additional languages to be able to look at all, all those things to be able to try to get a really full picture of what we have. I, I think it's a, that, that's how we need to start really being, being intentional about. LD362, let's talk important food insecurity in Maine. LD362, a resolve to require the Department of Education to form a family income data collection working group. Um, oh, and this is number 10, I believe, for Representative Brennan. Is this number 10? No, it's still number nine. Oh, it is, okay. Uh, it is Representative Brennan again, a resolve. Um, whereas I'm completely in favor of the concept of this bill, uh, it has zero resolves, I mean, zero whereases in this. It is a resolve. And um, there's a lot of things that are resolved in there, but there are no whereases. And so um, I've been very disappointed this year at the amount, the, the lack of whereases that are throughout the number of resolves that there are. Um, I mean, it's, and I did not receive a call inviting me to come and talk about the name change to there's an app for that. Uh, yeah, I know that's there. I thought that was brilliant. They're, they're falling. They're, they're really, uh, they're really dropping the ball on this one. There have been 12 resolves, uh, posted so far and only 34 whereases. I mean, it should be three times that number of whereases. And some of those whereases are actually an X. Anyway, uh, I think we got a little bit, I got a little bit derailed there. Um, again, resolved to require the Department of Education to form a family income data collection working group and exactly that. So looking at how schools collect and there were, how many, how many pieces of testimony were there on this one? Quite a few. 13, that's a, that's a good amount so far. I thought, and I thought those who provided testimony did a fantastic job. Here's my frustration with this. Mr. Woodsum, you know, shared his frustration that this is a perennial problem. You know, families are not filling out the information and then schools don't receive the funds they're supposed to. Very true. And, you know, will this work group really make a difference? 
And I started to think, and someone said, this is a national issue. Why can't we figure this out after all these years? This is so important to have correct information for schools, to have our food service directors spending time doing what needs to be done rather than you know spending months chasing down families. Um, it's just one of those frustrations that why there has to be one out of 50 states who is doing this well, right? Not all 50 states have to be struggling with this. I, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what is the solution? Is there a and, solution? And that's, that was Woodsum's point. I mean, is a work group going to come up with a solution if this has been a problem and the US DOE has not even tried to figure it out? Um, so I, so you know, if he was talking to me, I think one of the things that I would respond with was, so if it has not been working, doesn't that mean we should find out what's been happening and maybe from that actually do something about it you know do we have the data those data that show us how many districts are getting those like proportion of people that are in there who are not filling out the forms who should be do we have that anywhere information or is it just one of those things that districts throw out in the beginning of the year and hope they get what they get and try to do their best to get all that information back and you know, is it one of those areas where they just actually don't have the information? I don't know. If there was an app on the smartphone, the phone that's smart, I think it would solve some of the issues. But, yeah, but um, then, you know, then you start getting into that whole uh, monitoring and tracking and then people are, you know, big brother is listening. And I'll tell you, man, yeah. I'm going off the grid with all this stuff. I'm not, I'm not dealing with any of this stuff anymore. I'm throwing away all technology and I'm going to be recording podcasts, how they recorded podcasts in the days of our founding fathers. That's how we're, I don't know where you're going with that right now, but. Um... To be fair, Julie, it is, as we're recording this, it is in the afternoon on a Friday after a week where it has been a rough week for me. So I'm just, we're gonna go, I don't know where we're going with this either. All right, well, I'm here for you, Matt. I know you are. I'm here for you. <laughs> Um, hey, this is this literally though is one of the highlights of my week. All right, I'm glad to hear that. And so, so as I listened to all four of the the bill um, testimonials, I, I just more and more I'm so thankful for this opportunity because I learn so much. I appreciate the committee's. Um, interest and thoughtfulness for some things that, you know, are very complex, as, as you've said. I am hopeful that LD362, I can't imagine it not going forward. And I hope that the work group is able to come up with a better solution because I don't think all the families realize how important those forms are. And I don't think, um, I, I think our food service providers, directors, their time could be better spent on other things than chasing down. I, I agree. I would, I would strongly recommend them finding a way to make it that it's just one of those required forms that every family fills out and then let the district yeah. send that stuff in and figure out the rest of it from there. Because I think there, there's, there, there, there may be a whole bunch of, um, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, it's going to come to mind, 
kind of shaming or feeling like yeah. bad about something that comes into right. this when that's not the intention of it and that's okay. not what it should be. So, so how can we then remove those barriers? How might we be able to remove those barriers? And those are valuable conversations because if the form is getting in the way of the information, well, then we can change the form. Mm -hmm. What we really need is the information. Right. And that's where the DOE comes into, the US DOE comes into play that I just feel like it, it shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't get to this point, but. Um, it shouldn't, but, you know, but, you know, people, you know, the, it, it, and I will say the form is not easy to, to you to do sometimes. It's not that, it's not that, it's not that simple. I mean, so it requires a lot of information and anyway, it's, it's, it's not easy to do, but I know that I think personally that um, this should go forward. And I thought um, Representative Stearns proudly shared that how his previous district was able to, when he was, I believe he was a superintendent, how he was able to have such, you know, 100% compliance with the forms was that he leveraged the laptop distribution. So yep. until all of this paperwork is in, um, your child does not receive their laptop. So yep. I, I, I remember hearing stuff like that happen, I wonder how that would fly in the political climate now, knowing right. that you're not gonna be able to get the technology to connect with and access your classes mm -hmm. if you just don't fill out a form, or a form that's not related to the technology and access. I'm just curious how that would fly. Right. Um, so, we're, so, do, so you see this going through, I see this going through, and Yes, it's a little more work for, it's more work for the DOE. It's more work for those folks to pull, pull together to make uh, another resolve happen. I know they, there was a whole discussion, the previous one about, previous episode we covered about another resolve, another work group. And people were saying, well, why are we studying this again? What's it really gonna tell us? However, being the educators and the data ana analysts that we are, you know, data are numbers. It becomes information once you make meaning out of it. And you can't make information meaning, you can't make data into meaningful information if you don't have those data. Right. And it's, it's useless if we don't do anything with it, but that's the point is what are we gonna do with it? And that was think, March. The right, but when you think about March 8th, there were only four bills to talk about the funding formula or to talk about funding. Yep. Only four. Only four. Interesting. It sure is. So right, what's next Wednesday? We are going to push ahead to a preview of what's coming on March the 17th. There are five, I'm sure I'm count, yep, five bills up for being discussed at 10 a.m. And I think we're gonna call it CTE Day. Oh, we have a theme. It's got a bit of a theme. Uh, because there are of those five bills, I'm seeing that there are four of them that are have CTE in the title, and the other one has to do directly with CTE. So, now, wait a minute. If you recall one of our first episodes, I was already on the CTE theme day, but Representative Brennan was talking about concussions. So yes. let's clarify what CTE are we talking about um this is career and technical education 
I'm, I'm going to make another line in the sand for us. If, and I would like to see if you would be willing to take the stand with me. I would like us to stop calling it vocational education. All right, you're the only one who said that, but okay. Here, here's why. Vocation, I, I hear CTE and voc ed being used a lot okay. as, as synonymous. Yes. And they're not. No. And one brings up a whole lot of history to it of a secondary class of education that the academics is up here one tier and vocational is down below. It's those who can't right. hack it in the academic. And I did air quotes in a audio medium, which is awesome. And the reality is CTE centers provide an equivalent, a, an absolutely equivalent education, highly rigorous, um, skill-based, uh, knowledge-based, there's a whole, it's a whole equivalent component to it that is right alongside of the, of the academic curriculum. And I would argue that we need to make sure that language matters and we should be focusing and pushing us to be, it is, it is CTE, it is career technical education and to, and to drop this whole vocational education. Well, thing. according to my mentor, Courtney Belolan, vocational would not be on the list of words to use because it would be too multi-syllabic. So um, I am on board with you and I will refer to our theme day and to these bills as career tech education and not that other word that shall not be named on this podcast. <laughs> Yet another Voldemort appears in, in education. So let's, let's get into some of these previews. The first, um, we're just gonna go not by how they're gonna be presented because I'm not really sure how they're gonna be presented. But we're just gonna go by their LD numeric, LD 144, an act to fund capital improvements to career and technical education centers and regions to bolster Maine's future workforce. This is presented by Speaker Fecto, not Representative Fecto of Augusta, but this is our, this is our house represent our house speaker. This um, is my hometown guy. Yes, Bitterford. And this, uh, in the summary, this bill authorizes the issuance and use of up to $20 million in Maine Governmental Facilities Authority securities for capital improvements to career technical education centers and regions. So it's, you know, here, so these, these bills come up a lot. And here's, and I think here's a good reason why it needs to be passed. CTE centers, they do a lot of technical stuff. They use a lot of tools, use a lot of hands-on stuff. And guess that those things get break, get broken. They get used. Yeah. They need replenishment. Yes. So. Well, I'm just thinking of, of um, the Biddeford superintendent, Mr. Jeremy Ray did a fantastic job presenting to our board about a month ago and explaining that, you know, in CTE that when a piece of equipment breaks, you know, it could be a $25,000 piece of equipment. Right. So, um, yeah. Right. A desk might be two hundred fifty dollars, three hundred dollars, something like that. You want you like a metal lathe goes down, or um, you know a laser printer, or something well, not a laser printer, but a laser etcher or whatnot. Right. Those are multi, many commas, yes, more zeros than I see in you know my paycheck. Yes. Um, 
So can we agree that we would love for 144 to to go forward, but given the appropriations for it, it probably won't. I think appropriations will get it'll get stuck. However, I want I I I, I agree with you. I think there's one thing that a little ace in its hole for these is that there is such a and has been a huge push on both sides of the aisle for improved career tech education and access that I can see this going through. And there's actually been a lot more funding going to CTE the last few years. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. And um, I can I can see that being one of those other one of those other little ace in the hole politically to push it through. Interesting. I look forward to it. Next too. one. LD 414, 414, an act to create parity between private schools and public schools regarding career and technical education tuition rates presented by Representative O'Neill out of Saco and co-sponsored by Senator Maxman of Lincoln. This bill does one thing and it removes section 5809 from one part of a bill and it, oh, it does repeal something else. So under current law, a school that receives tuition students who are enrolled in regular school day career technical education programs at centers, satellites, et cetera, uh, may only charge a tuition rate of up to two thirds of the maximum tuition rate. Public schools do not have this limitation and are not limited to the two third of funding for a student who enrolls in such a program. This bill, this bill repeals this limitation on schools that receive tuition students to create parity with public schools. How are you feeling about this one, Julie? Well, I mean, this is my, I, I am the curriculum director in a pre-K through eight district that feeds into a private school where Representative O'Neill lives. So it's a direct hit. Um, I definitely need to learn more about 5809 and it's timely because um, when I shared that the Biddeford superintendent and Biddeford has a wonderful CTE program, but the funding has changed of how they are going to receive money and the individual towns now need to um, pay their share. And what we're grappling with is, okay, so we tuition our kids to a private public high school and why doesn't that money go towards their career tech education experience? So it's, it's fascinating, it's complex, and I need to learn a little bit more about it. So if you are listening and you would like to give me a tutorial on this, I would love to have it. Oh, I would love to find out more about that too. It's, it is a fascinating, it, it is fascinating. Um, so, this seems to me to, and correct me if I'm understanding, I'm, I'm kind of internalizing this in my head and correct me if I'm wrong on this. It's saying that the public or the, the private schools pay more for, for kids to go to CTE. No, I'm not, do you mean hers or what I was explaining? Because I kind of took you on a different funding path. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like in general, the law says that you know public schools pay, don't pay as much, they only pay a portion Otherwise, a private school might pay a full tuition. And this is saying the private schools pay just the same amount as the public schools. 
Is that what the, that's what this is saying? I'm assuming for because it were that, that parity, one pays more than the other. And Representative O'Neill is trying to even the playing field. Yes, which and and I would assume that being being private schools, they would pay the more the higher rate. And the public schools and the public schools might not. Yeah. Let me look this into a, this. This is a funding one and it gets really complicated. And I don't, I, I have some kind of a mental block on the funding ones. It really, it really hurts my brain. Well, what will be interesting, I believe there are 11 independent schools in the state of Maine, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, Foxcroft Academy. That's your neck of the woods. Yep. Sort of. Freiburg, where my wife went. Erskine. Um, so it will be interesting to see if there are a fewer number, what um, the testimony will be, but yeah. I will pay close attention to the work session and be prepared to talk more about this next time. And I am going to look forward to you being more prepared to talk about it. I knew you were going to say that. All right, LD is there another five. CPE bill? Oh yeah, uh, well there's that, well, do you want, oh, you wanna, well, we'll wrap around to the other uh, CTE bills. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that final one in a minute. Uh, LD 516, a resolve directing the Department of Education to review career and technical education courses and provide guidance on high school credit, credit equivalencies. This is presented by Representative Fecto out of Augusta, co-sponsored by Senator Woodstum of York, and also Representatives Roche of Wells, Sampson, Stearns, White, Senators Pouliot and Timberlake of Androscoggin, a very, I would say, very partisan bill here. Not very bipartisan. No, but the, I love the premise of it. I love, yeah, let's review the courses and, is there more we could be doing for kids, right? Please tell me that's what this one is saying. This, I, I, I think so. I mean, this is saying, you know, to what extent do CTE classes and schools align to the um, academic standards? Right. The, you know, the, the for graduation rates. And uh, I, I, I do believe that somewhere in the main um, CTE world, a few years ago, they, someone did a crosswalk of the main of uh, the CTE programs and the standards, um, and if anyone out there has that, please send it to us. You can on, on Twitter or Facebook, um, because we'd love to see that and post that along with what we have. And I'll see if I can find it as well. But I believe that that happened. It just kind of flew under the radar, and no one really did anything because I think that was around the time when proficiency-based diplomas were all up in the air. Um, but yeah, this one basically says, "Hey, so where are they connected?" With, I believe, so what do you, so where do you see the intention of this? What's the, why is this bill coming forward? I'm curious as to why. I mean, my hope is that I, I'm thinking about as a former high school English teacher, mm. you know, we want students to be effective communicators. We want them to be able to write, to speak, to be able to, you know, create coherent ideas. And, you know, last night when I picked my son up after his basketball game and it was, you know, six o'clock and the garage door to the auto mechanic side of the CTE building was open. And, you know, I imagine there are some students 
in that program who can tell me verbatim what needs to occur from certain auto mechanic manuals, yet if I asked them to write a five paragraph essay about that same topic, they would look at me like, what are you talking about? So right. I think it's allowing students to excel at their passions and be able to, or at least I hope the intent is to provide students multiple pathways to show what they know and not just do it this way. And no, you have to take English one, two, three, and four, and, and that's it. So I'm hopeful that's the intent of this, but I'm really curious as to why it's so partisan based. Yeah, I am too. And let's just presume they just didn't ask the other party. They were just, they had too much going on and they just stuck with their friends. You know, I like that. We're going to assume the best. We are going to assume the best. I like that. And where are we now? So uh, that was 516. Wait, were there any whereases? There were no whereases. Oh, I, I, I'm, I, I've, I've given up. I, I give up. I don't know. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. All right, fine. I won't give up. Um, a LD680, a resolve to reestablish the task force to study the creation of a comprehensive career technical education system presented by Senator Daughtry of Cumberland. This has four whereases. Yes, so she's amazing. Senator Daughtry. Um, I love her. Also, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. It's got a preamble. It's got four whereases. It's a bit long. It's several pages. She she knows what she's doing. I'm telling you, I love that woman. Uh, although I like the summary of this bill. This resolve is reestablishes the task force to study the creation of a comprehensive career and technical education system. And I wonder if it's looking at seven through twelve instead of just high school as well, or is that a done deal? I don't know. I don't know if that's a done deal. That's a great question. I don't. Um, we are going to learn so much about CTEs next week. Looking at the bill, at the, at the proposed bill under Section 5, it does say examine the feasibility of establishing a comprehensive four-year high school CTE program. And it does specifically say four years. So I'm wondering if this task force that they're trying to bring back is really only focusing on the high school level and not 712. However, that's not to say that in the future it could not be transitioned back right. down to 712. Now, I know I'm not a rocket scientist, but couldn't LD 516, which is a resolve to review courses and, and standards, couldn't that resolve be taken on by such a task force for the betterment of all students in Maine? I, I think you've just, I think you have to, I think you are um, saying that you have, can go and provide testimony on that and say, hey, why don't you just do that? Right. You know, give it, give it to a task force instead of, instead of forcing the issue. Well, actually the resolve is just before just to study it. So if you have to put it, who would do the study of that 516 required? And your point, I think it's brilliant. Make the, the task force. The task force would do that study. And the task force itself is made up of quite a bit of people. Um, it has uh, si uh, six members appointed by the president of the Senate, 
six members appointed by the Speaker of the House, seven members appointed by the governor. Wow. Um, and so you have on there uh, members of the Senate, current CTE administrators, members of the State Board of Education, members of skilled trade union and representatives of business or industry, a principal of a secondary school. You have people uh, uh, appointed by the House, by the Senate are those, the governor, um, an administrator at a community college, local board of education in Maine, a member who's an officer of the Maine Education Association, um, three members. Is there a student representative? There are no student representatives. What and a wonderful opportunity for a, you know, a junior or senior in a CTE program to. It is. I might also kind of be a little, being a little selfish here, but shouldn't a curriculum leader? Yes, of course. I'm sure we will. We, I'm sure. Because we sure. are the ones who kind of help to build those bridges in between yeah. the curriculum. Anyway, so that that's that's that other that's that resolve right there. So I think there's some real good connections that could be made, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the work session on that. Any um, co-sponsors to Senator Daughtry's? Bill? Uh, there were, if we scroll up, nope. They're just, just her. Huh. So good on you for having a, a, a good intention resolve with the whereas is an emergency preamble. Awesome. And we have one more bill to preview, which is LD572. an act to assist students in preparing for opportunities to live and work in Maine. Yes. Presented by Representative Stearns of Guilford, co-sponsored by Senator Pouliot of Kennebec, also Representatives Brenna of Portland, Crockett of Portland, Roche of Wells, White of Waterville, Senators Timberlake of Androscoggin and Woodsum of York. We have a bipartisan bill. Wow. We, it's, a bit of, it's a bit bipartisan. This is an interesting one though. I will say that. Uh, this, this bill requires secondary schools, junior high schools and middle schools, when they're providing career or educational programming materials and guidance for students and parents, they must include an electronic link to the publicly accessible website of the Department of Labor Center for Workforce Research and Information containing statewide employment projections. It directs the Department of Education, working with the Department of Labor, to develop age-appropriate advice for navigating the website containing the statewide employment projections and to update the advice from time to time. Interesting. There's so much about this that I love. I, I love... feel there's a butt coming in, though. Oh, there's a big butt coming in. Okay. I love the idea of this, this website. I love making that, making it easy for people to access and kids to access. Can you guess what my butt might be? Um, no, just tell me. It's, it's Friday afternoon, I'm tired. Just tell yeah. me. My butt is, why are they forcing us to put a link yeah. onto a place? It's kind of bizarre. You know, it kind of feels like it might be like a, a mandate, a mandate like this. Have it available, have it accessible, but why is, is it have to be a direct, a forced direct link to this particular place? Now, it's uh, from the Department of Labor, it's going to be from the Maine government, etc. So it's going to be one of those things that's going to be aligned to Maine, etc. But that's the thing that I th I, I, I'm seeing is going to be probably the biggest sticking point. 
but to have so many co-sponsors it's this yep. you know you just you just as you can't always judge a book by its cover you can't always judge a bill by its sponsors how about that you can't always judge a bill by a sponsor not always but definitely this is an example of one i I, 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 there's, I'm fascinated by this bill. It's, it seems like it's a little thing. It's like adding a website to a district website, to a program. There has to be but, more to it. But there what are the implications of that? And yeah. what is the, is, 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 does it become a slippery slope situation where now they're saying, well, now you got to put this link onto DHHS. You got to put this link onto there. And we already have some links we have to put on due to federal mandates, but they're like, where is, is this starting something that was unintended? Right. So I, I, I'm fascinated to hear, you know, it's that whole the whole butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the ocean and the other side it creates a tidal wave. What are the potential implications? And that- We are going to learn so much about CTE next week. Yeah. Well, to be fair, uh, yeah, yeah, we are- I am, and I'm going to impart it on my- Oh, room. thank you so much. So uh, that is it for March 7th, previewing March 17th. There'll be some work sessions coming up and there will be, um, we'll get some uh, reviews on that. And I think that does it. There's, there is one other thing that we have to, we have to do and that's shout outs. Yes. And I have one down. Lady Smythe shout out. My Lady Smythe shout out goes to the Emmy representative. And I'm sure that's not his time. I'm sure he has a, a more eloquent title than that, but um I was just so impressed with John Kaczynski's testimonies for the MEA. And I personally love working with my union members. Um, I know that labor relations are, are not always positive, but I envision a future where they are positive and I would love to have a conversation with John and he has so much knowledge. Um, he's, I think he's been doing this a long time, but I just thought he did a fantastic job. He offers solutions. He's, he's articulate, professional, truly dedicated to MEA. And uh, my shout out goes to him today. Awesome. Do you have his hashtag? So maybe he'll want to listen to us. Um, I, I do not, but we can try to tag him in our show notes or in the, uh, in the latest my shout out. If, if, if our crack social media team, uh, when they, they do a post, they didn't even do it. They didn't even do a, do a post for last week's episode because they got all, they got all behind on things. Well, it so. happens. It happens. Is well, he a full-time again, teacher or I, does he, he work directly for the MEA? I'm pretty sure he works for the directly for the MEA, but I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We have so much to learn. Always. It's exciting. We always do. And, and, and I more than others, because I'm not that bright. And thank you for jumping in and saying, no, not of course not. That, that, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you can, if you want to uh, get us any of the information that we're clearly missing, again, information and mediocre analysis, uh, we said at the beginning of uh, you can find us on Twitter at Maine Ed Matters. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Maine Education Matters. So we will listen because you don't have to. And 
We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. All right.